Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Hey, I just want to encourage you with a couple things. Um, as we're having the Hope Toy Drive happening in a few weeks, that's our outreach for Christmas to the community. Two things. Number one, you still can sign up to serve. We need a lot of workers and other helpers. We know that the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The scripture says, pray for the Lord of the harvest. So we're asking you to come get involved. See Pastor Sean, he's in the back door right there. See him come sign, uh, sign up. Uh, number two, right after church, if you want to be involved, come and join us and hear about how you can serve and how you can be involved right after church here in the sanctuary. So we want to be able to encourage you with that. I uh, also want to announce, guys, that there is no uh, Sunday services, Sunday night services uh, during Christmas because we're getting ready for the outreaches. I know a lot of our family people come in, all that stuff, and we'll let you know the next startup dates for some of the, in the new year of what's going on um, with that. Hey, we're going to be finishing off the book of Jonah uh, this morning and then jump into our Christmas series coming up starting next week. So open up your Bibles to Jonah, the, the fourth chapter, Jonah chapter 4, we look at verses 5 through 11 as we finish off um, this book this morning. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it, uh, looking and studying it, and so we're going to finish it off this morning. One day a sailor got intoxicated while he was on a ship, and this, this sailor usually doesn't drink. He's not known for drinking, but the captain saw that he was drunk, and so when he began to write in his log, he wrote this about the sailor, sailor drunk today. When the sailor heard that, he begged the captain, knowing that he normally doesn't get drunk, he begged the captain to, to take to remove it and, 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 and then remove that log. And the captain said, it's a fact on record and it stays. The next few days, the sailor who was caught drunk was responsible for the log. And as he began to write in the log, he wrote these same words, Captain Sober Today. Realizing how, how such a statement would be perceived, the captain asked if it to be removed. The sailor replied, well, sir, it's a fact. So on the record, it stays. You know, the spirit of judgment and retaliation is very unpleasant. It's a great to know that we have a captain, we have a God who is full of grace and mercy. It may be a fact that we are all sinners who fall short of the, the glory of God, but God made a way to remove it off our record. He expunged our record by his blood. There were some ugly facts about Jonah in his story, yet God is committed to the ministry of mercy. Yes, there are some ugly facts about us even, yet God extends his mercy to us. That's true about the gospel. That's why it's called the good news. The good news. We're closing this sermon series on the book of Jonah this morning, chapter 4. It's going to be looking how God extends mercy through pity. And as the hero of the story, he is ministering to Jonah in the midst of all his pity party, right? Jonah is upset at the things that haven't worked out his way. We've been studying that. We've been looking at that. And he wanted judgment on the Ninevites. He didn't want mercy. And throughout the story, God has been, what, extending his mercy to Jonah. He's extending mercy through patience. And we saw in chapter 1 as he got a command to go to Nineveh to preach the gospel because of their wickedness. And we find in the story that he ran away from the call. And then God prepared a storm in there. And we saw God's patience as the hero. 
At the latter part of chapter one, going into chapter two, God prepared a, a great fish. Some call it a whale, a great fish. And he's caught up in the belly of the fish. And in there, we see what? The forgiveness of God. Because he's the hero of the story. And then we see that, that he's, he has, uh, he's, he's vomited up on the shore. He's got his discharge paper from being incarcerated in the belly of a whale. And he goes into Nineveh and he preaches this eight-word sermon. Really, it's a fire and brimstone sermon. Get right or get left. It's get, get, repent or you're going to burn type of sermon. There was no grace and mercy in it, but we saw in there God's grace and we saw in there God's power through his preaching because God is the hero of the story. And at the end of chapter four, what do you find? We find Jonah exiting the city as he's walked through it for pretty much 40 days, preaching the same message because that city was 60 miles long. It was a, a three days journey as he's preaching this gospel and the city comes to repentance. It comes to his knees. And then we find Jonah having a pity party, but God's extending his mercy on Jonah, dealing with Jonah's personal, Jonah's personal issues. We define mercy as not getting what you deserved. Jonah deserved a lot because of his vow's action, but God was committed to a mission of mercy. As Jonah was pouting, God was extending pity on him. He was extending compassion on Jonah. And so chapter four closes with a picture of God's mercy ministry, and we are called to the same. My message title this morning is called Mercy Ministry. Mercy ministry. I want to read the text. Chapter five, chapter four, verse five says this. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from the misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it's better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, it's right for you to be angry about this plant. And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, you have pity on a plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should not I be have pity? Should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand nor their left and much livestock? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. And Lord, we thank you for your mercy, the ministry to us. As we even look at Jonah's story, Father, as we even look at a man who was a prophet called by God, who even had his own issues as a man of God. But Father, you're continuing extending mercy to mature him. You're continuing ministering to him in his mess, Lord. You're, you're continuing to do a work like you've done in us, you've done in Jonah. And so, Father, may the reading of your word and the teaching of your word be manifested by your spirit in the hearts of men and women in this room and even online that, Father, you would speak to our hearts this morning that we'd be prepared for the mission that you've given us, even coming to the Hope Toy Drive, even coming to our lives, in our schools, in our workplace, in our communities, with our neighbors. Lord, we're still called to be on mission to reach people that don't know you, that we may be merciful people. So we thank you, we praise you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen, amen. We're looking at three things about mercy ministry this morning. Here's the first thing. Number one, mercy ministry celebrates the win, not the loss. I want you to hear that. 
Mercy, mercy ministry shall us to win, not the loss. Look at verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Parents, I'm going to speak to the parents because I want you to understand something. As parents, you have to be careful. Careful. We are not look. We have to be careful to look for the success of our kids, not the failures. If you tell your if you tell your kid if you tell your kid that your curfew is eleven o'clock, don't be waiting at the door at ten fifty nine, ready to pounce on them if they're a few minutes late. Because you're more concerned about their failures than their su- successes. See, Jonah. What Jonah happened here is Jonah didn't celebrate the win, the victory, the transformation, the repentance of the city. He was waiting for the failure and the, and, and the fall of these people. And that's why he exited out the city and sat on the east side of the city because he entered from the west, came out the east, went on top of a mountain and was waiting there just to see whether they're going to mess it all up. Just to see whether their repentance was really real. Just to see whether their lives were really going to be changed. And so he's waiting on a hill outside of the city. He would have been preaching repentance and they responded. And then he's waiting for their failures as children of God. We have to be careful when people come to faith, they are not waiting for their failures. I remember when I got saved, I was 17, about 18 years old, and I was partying, there was a drinker, did a lot of messed up. And my brother came and told my parents because they saw that I had changed and following Jesus now. And my brother said, oh, don't worry about Pete. He'll be back drinking and partying in two weeks. See, see, they were looking for my failures rather than my successes. And some people would say that about your own walk. They're going to say that by your own journey, right? They're waiting for us to fail. Even when we make steps towards success. We see that Jonah has been traveling and ministering through this preaching. Now he's in a city, right? And he's waiting for God's judgment because what was the message? The message was that in 40 days, God's going to bring judgment if you don't repent. And so he went outside the city because he wanted to see if God really was going to bring judgment. Now, we did a whole history about Jonah, how he felt about the Ninevites because they were the Assyrians. They were vicious people. They were pa- pagan people. They had multiple gods, and they really came against the Jewish people. And Jonah, being Jewish, didn't like what these men in history had done to his people, so he was pretty much hated these people, and yet a man, God called this man to go preach to his own enemy. But he still had some of those issues in his own heart. That's why he was hoping that God would bring judgment. That's why he was sitting on the hill, wait to see what was going to happen. When he gets to this hill place, when he's sitting on the hill, what does he do? He makes a shelter and finds a place to seat, looking over the great city. So he builds this little wooden shelter on the east side because he knows he's going he's gonna to have a, a, a view of the city. He's going to have what? He's going to make himself comfortable. He has a, a little cabana in Babylon sitting with his chair there, right? He was, he was going to be like Abraham. He should have responded like Abraham, right? Abraham went to the, the high place in the book of Genesis chapter 18, 19. You can read the story about Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham went out to look and see the city, what was going to happen to the city. And Abraham saw the smoke of an unrepentant city, but Jonah saw the peace of a repentant city. That's what he saw, right? You know, when he, when he sat down, what he said when he's sitting down was that my work's done. I have no more to contribute. But we have to understand no, no way is the work done. That was only the beginning 
of the work. Guys, when God uses you to do a work and you just, you can't tap out after the work's done. You can't disengage people. What happened was Jonah began to disengage himself from the Ninevites, right? You know, people often worship saints, right? In some, some faith. But who are the saints? The saints are you. You're the saints, right? You're the ones who have been set apart for, for God. That's what the word saint really means. When you come to faith, you, you become a saint, because God's made you that. You're, you're righteous. Maybe Jonah realizing that he's a man of God was like, well, I'm a saint. I'm set apart. Maybe I need to set myself apart from God, these people, these wicked people. Yet God had made them saints because by faith. That he was called to engage them. His work wasn't done. He wasn't going to tap out. He should have been out there investing in the new converts. He should have been out there discipling them and pouring into them as a prophet and teaching them how it means to walk with God because a lot of the people come to faith, but they don't. That's the beginning line, not the end line. That's not the finish line. That's the beginning line. And then we have to move forward in our faith and discipleship and our walk and our journey with God to grow in the faith. But what he tapped out and didn't begin to speak into that. He wanted judgment, not celebration. He wanted judgment, not victory. He should have had a victory dance, not a pity party. That's what he should have had. See, ministry isn't a spectator sport. It's, you don't sit on the sidelines. You're, you're part to be a part of a team. This family is a community. This family is a team. And we're called to engage in the community. You know, it's interesting how many people can criticize the ministry. Come on, come on. But yet are not involved in the ministry. It's easy to throw, it's easy to throw rocks at things you're not involved in. Come on, come on. Hey, Pastor Pete, we need to do this in the children's ministry because it's really lacking. Um, are you serving in the children's ministry? Oh, no, I just see the bad things in it. Don't sling rocks when you ain't here to make a change. Don't sling rocks at the ministry if you're not here really to invest. Right? See, a lot of people come to receive, but they never give. What are they? They're bench warmers. They're bench warmers. They're in the, and they're in the pews, but they don't want to get involved. They want to be a part of the team. They want to wear the jersey and they want to wear the hat and they want to look like the part of the team, but they don't contribute to the team. Jonah was a prophet of God. He was a part of the team, but he struggled to contribute to the team. And God had to get his attention. He, he was a minimalist. It's a, it's a word. It really is a word. Maybe I didn't pronounce it right. Minimalist. minimalist. That's a better word. Means... He only did enough to get by. He only did enough to get by. Some people come to faith and that's enough for them and they don't do any more. I'm only, I'm only going to get fire insurance. Come on now. I'm only going to get enough to get by. Right? Guys, let me tell you something. Read Corinthians chapter 3, 4. It says that all of us barely get by by the grace of God and the mercy of God. We all just barely make it in. Okay? Because of God and the work he's done. But the interesting thing is that he was a prophet of God and God called him a prophet because he had a talent. And when God called him to go, he's ready to bury his talent. But yet in the coming, what did he do? He comes and he does this, this work, but now he's back again, what? Burying his talent, his gifting, his call to preach and serve. And yet he's out waiting to see destruction. He's burying his talent. If you read, the scriptures in Matthew 25 and Luke 19 tells the parable of the talents. If you bury your talents, God says, I'm going to cast you out. If, when you're given much, 
much is required. He's called us not to bury the giftings. Each of you in this room have these giftings and talents and abilities. Do not bury the blessings that God has given you. Do not bury the gifts that God has given you. But here's the, here's the thing that mercy ministry is not judging others. Mercy ministry is not judging others, right? Jonah was willing to sit in a heat. Remember, this is Babylon. This is the Middle East. In the heat, could have been like Arizona, maybe hotter, 110, 120 degrees weather. In the heat for 40 days, waiting for God's judgment on the Ninevites. Jonah hoped that God would change his mind and bring judgment on them. So here he's sitting under the cabana with maybe some popcorn, waiting for the big show, right? He made himself, he got himself some, some front row seats. He's got ringside seats to see the battle go down, the WWE. F of the Bible with God and the Ninevites. <laughs> right? He wanted to see the fireworks show, right? You ever, I know, we celebrate for the time we watch at the Bay, the fireworks show, right? He wanted to see these Ninevites fried. That, that's, what he was, that's what he was hoping for. That was his heart. Jonah was a, a pitiful prophet, man. <laughs> right? Wanting justice instead of mercy. And as a prophet, he should have learned from Abraham by defending the city in paper. Remember when God said to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And what did Abraham do? He went before the Lord and prayed. If there's only 40 righteous and 50 righteous and 30 righteous, would you destroy a city? And God said, no. Would there have been 10 righteous cities? No. But God couldn't find 10 righteous people in the, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed it. And Abraham saw the destruction. But at least Abraham was petitioning God on their behalf. Jonah should have been petitioning God on the behalf of the Ninevites, praying for those things. And then we know that in verse four that God had asked Jonah a question because Jonah was so angry and bitter at the situation of not coming out the way he wanted to come out. And he says, is it right for you to be angry? We see that in verse four. But Jonah never asked, never answered the question. He'll answer it later because the Lord's going to answer the same question in a minute. He never answered the question. Why did God ask him this question? He asked him this question to get to the heart of manner because God knows Jonah's heart. He knows his struggle. He knows his bitterness. And God is not done with Jonah. God knows your shortcomings. He knows your weaknesses. He knows that. And God is not done with you. Right? Mercy ministry is praying for the best in others, hoping for the best in others, looking out for the interest of others. Jesus said in John 3, 17, God sent his son into the world to, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Not to judge or condemn the world, but to save the world. Have we ever judged somebody else's salvation? Right? They come forward to the altar. Oh, it's only a matter of time before they mess up. I can't believe it. God really saved that guy. You're going to be surprised when you get to heaven who makes it in. Come on now. Like, you're going to be like, what? You know what I mean? <laughs> you might be even saying that about yourself. What? Right? Guys, let me tell you something. We need to celebrate the win in people's lives, not the losses. We need to celebrate the wins. Guys, 
We may lose the battle, but we want to make, win, the, win the game, right? So there are going to be battles along the way, and we're going to do some stumbling. We're going to do some, all that stuff, but we want the win. Doesn't matter how you get it, but we get the win. You know, I don't care if you win by one point or 60 points, you still get the win, all right? I, 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 my family's a UCLA family, so we beat USC by a slaughter for those who watch college football. We still get the win. We still get the win, all right? All right, so we want the win. That's number one. Mercy ministry is about the win, not the losses. Here's the second thing. Mercy ministry is to care for those inside the church. John 4, 6 through 9, right? We're coming to the Christmas season. I love the Christmas season because we get to all see those old Christmas movies, right? They're starting to play on TV now, right? In fact, last night they had It's a Wonderful Life starring James Stewart as George Bailey. You might be familiar with that story, right? He didn't think his life mattered. And so because he didn't think his life mattered in the story, he tried to commit suicide and he's rescued by an angel. And, and, and in that experience, he goes back and see what life would be like without George Bailey in the picture. And because his life was in there, he got to experience that whether his, without his presence be there, there would be misery in his family and his community and, uh, and with his friends that because he didn't have impact, because he wasn't around to have impact, everything was going to look different from the neighborhood that he grew up because he wasn't there. And it was this experience that changed his perspective. The Lord is speaking to Jonah and giving him an experience to change his perspective about life. Jonah, you are needed to change this. You're angry and running, but I need you, Jonah, for a mission of, of mercy. Now, I say this many cares for those inside the church because Jonah was a prophet. He was a man of God. He, he was part of God's family. And you know, in God's family, there are some people that are more pessimistic than optimistic. You know, there's some people in God's family that can be rude and mean and ugly sometimes in God's family. I, I know, I've been in the ministry for 40 years. I've seen it. It could get pretty ugly sometimes with people in God's family. So we see here God dealing with a man in his family. and he, He's doing ministry to the miserable, right? Because the pastor says that Jonah was miserable because of what didn't work out. Look at verse 6. And the Lord, the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plants. I love this. The Lord God prepared the plants. We know that God prepared a storm in chapter 1. He prepared a fish, Right? Now he's going to prepare a plant, and then a worm, and then a heat wave. God is always preparing something to prepare us for something. Did you hear that? God is always preparing something to prepare us for something. Okay? And we're seeing he's preparing Jonah here. Here, this, he already has a wooden shed, he, like a shade he built with his, himself, but now he, he, God prepares a plant to be a shade. They believe it's a castor oil plant or a resinous plant that grows up quickly with these huge leaves. Because you know why? Because Jonah's shelter is not sufficient for him. Only God's shelter. Only God's plants. Because God prepared it. Sometimes we can prepare things in our own hands that we struggle and get frustrated with and build things, but it never lasts because the, the Lord builds the house. The Lord builds the things. Amen. And so you have this plant that God prepared and it grows up and probably interweave between the wooden things that he built and it's big leaves that are shading him. It's covering him. And because of the Lord's grace and mercy, he prepared the plant to be Jonah's covering, right? 
That is God's mercy. Mercy. What did I say mercy was, right? Jonah didn't deserve it, but God blessed him anyways. Even when Jonah was not at his best. Did you catch that? God will even bless you even when you're not at your best. Read, read the Bible. He blesses pagan kings as much as he blesses righteous believers sometimes. When Abraham, the patriarch of the Old Testament, right? What did he do with his wife? He said, let's why, when we go to this kingdom, let's lie that you're not your wife, you're my wife because you're a beautiful looking hot woman and I don't want anybody to take you. We'll say you're my sister. And so when he comes in, Pharaoh took him and says, he's beautiful, I'm going to take him as wife. Pharaoh said, I'm going to take him as wife. He took her as a wife. And what happened? Boils came on the king, the Pharaoh. Right? He's like, whoa, what's going on? He finds out that Sarah is Abraham's wife. And he goes, why didn't you lie to me? Well, I thought you were going to take her to do these things. And he got so frustrated. What did the, the king do? The Pharaoh, he, he took all the blessings, all the money, all the stuff, and gave it to Abraham and said, get out of here. Abraham got blessed in his mess. In his lying, in his deceitfulness, he got blessed. Oh, because we often think, well, blessing comes if we just be right, right? If we do good and be right, blessings come. That's, that's, that's our culture. That's not biblical. Our culture thinks we should be rewarded for our good things. But sometimes we're not even rewarded always for our good things. But sometimes we are. That's, that's the sovereignty of God. But sometimes God will even bless you in your bad things because he's trying to get your attention. He says, I'm still here. I'm still present. Jonah, I'm still present. I'm still here. Right? Isn't that like the Lord? The blessings we have are not because we deserve them. Why did the Lord prepare the plant? He, why did he create a great wonder for Jonah? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord's about, about the deliverance ministry. <laughs> He's about the deliverance ministry here, Right? He wanted to deliver Jonah from his misery, from his grief, his anger, his bitterness. That was what was holding him hostage. Guys, there's things inside of you. What's holding you hostage inside of you that God needs to deliver you from? What's mastering you? What's grief tormenting you? There are some things that God wants to do a work in you, and he wants to do a work into Jonah. So he prepared storms and fishes and worms and heat and to begin to deliver Jonah from this life of misery. Throughout the story, God has been using creation to reveal himself. You only have to turn to Romans chapter one where he talks about his creation, that the creation speaks about who the God is and men will be without excuse. So men can't say there is no God when you look outside these doors and look up in the sky and you see the sunset at night and the sunrise in the morning and see the plants that happen in there. You cannot say that there's not a designer. There's not an architect. Because the Bible says, even men will be without excuse when they stand before God because creation speaks about who he is. And so he's using creation to reveal to Jonah his own shortcomings. God is preparing each of these things. He's preparing this plant, right? But why? Because God is beginning to minister to Jonah's human's needs, providing a shade for, to, to grow. And, 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 and that began to change his countenance, right? It, it changed his countenance. He, found, he says he found pleasure in the plant. So this plant came is like, oh, asking, thank you, God. Thank you for the, the plant, right? For a moment, he wasn't miserable, but grateful, right? See, I find it interesting when, when God delivered the fish, didn't say that Jonah was grateful. He never re responded to that, right? When, when, when the great city came to repentance, it came to faith, that we don't see any joy in 
Jonah's life. But a little plant appears and he's grateful. He says he's exceedingly glad, some translation said. He's overwhelmed. He's overjoyed, right? God, God is supernaturally intervening in Jonah's life. He's, he's caring for him. Even in the midst of Jonah's stubbornness, the Lord is extending kindness. Guys, no matter where we are, I hope as a church we can extend kindness to one another and love to one another. Because it says God's kindness men come to repentance. God cares for those in their affliction, in their misery, in their grief. He cares for people who struggle with God in the church. And I tell you what, it's the little things that bring comfort to people in the church. Not the big, it's the little things that bring comfort to people. He found deliverance in the moment by a plant. But let me tell you something. That joy that he experienced was not sustainable. Because he put his countenance and his joy in the plant, not in God. We find joy in the Lord, Psalm 43. God is my exceedingly great joy. Nehemiah, in the rebuilding of the wall, said the joy of the Lord is my strength in his own afflictions and difficulty. But here's another thing as we talk about caring for those inside the mercy ministry, caring for those in church here. Mercy ministry gets heated, is heated. Look at seven and eight. But as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm and so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared, I'm sorry, God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so it grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is, better, is it better for me to die than to live? Again, now, God prepared a plant. He's grateful. God prepared a worm to damage the plant. We see his ungratefulness to Jonah. He went from this great wonder of this plant to this great worm. What, what was this worm? They call it a, a black worm or a black caterpillar. And so the, the challenge to you was this. Are we a pillar or a caterpillar in the church? Are we a pillar in the church that builds it and builds it? Or are we just a caterpillar that just crawls a stone that comes in and out of the church? What are we today, right? He's on the east side of the city now, sitting outside. This plant has grown. The worm has sprouted up. He's damaged. This has all happened within 24 hours. That's why it's so supernatural. Think of your timeline that's happening here. It's literally, he's happened this as he's watching. This plant goes, shh, and then this worm comes, and it goes, in 24 hours. Get the picture. I hope you see the picture, how crazy this is. He's joyful one minute, and he's sad the next minute, right? God provides the worm because he can easily, we can easily be attached to things. Jonah got attached to things. In 24 hours, he got attached to this worm. He was more attached to the worm than he was to the ministry of mercy ministry. He was more attached to this little plant than he was to the people. Now, I know we can get attached to things, man. I got a dog. I'm attached to my little dog, Benny, right? I'm attached to that. But Jonah's moods swing by circumstances of the day, right? Let me tell you, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is momentary. Right? It, it, happiness is, hey, I'm having a good day, and then the next day I'm having a bad day. And, and so that's happiness. Hey, it's my birthday. I'm happy. I'm sad that something else happened. And so our, our mood can swing by, by, the, by the day, right? You know, Jonah can say, hey, man, I'm out here. There's plant. Things are looking good for me. Plant's gone. Man, I can't catch a break. 
How do people live like that, right? One minute they're up, next minute everything's bad, right? Man, my wife, um, she's a trooper. I don't know if you heard this week's, she's putting up the decorations this Thursday. On the back pillars, her and uh, Miss Miss Beck were putting the the wreaths up. She was on a ladder like this and was on an angle, and she was up all the way up to the ceiling. She was putting up, and she fell, and the ladder came crashing down. And then she broke her shoulder on, on Thursday night. So we had to go to the ambulance and go to the hospital with her. And my wife said, man, I'm so thankful for the Lord. It could have been much worse. I mean, thank you, Lord, I didn't hit my head. Thank you, Lord, I didn't do that. Though she broke her arm and she was in pain and she, had to, she cut her legs, she had to get stitches, all these different things that went with that. Thank you, Miss Beck wasn't hurt. See, her perspective was on the Lord. Other people said, man, I can't believe God allowed me to fall from that thing. And God, what are you doing in my life? And I'm hurt. The, the, the Bible says to be thankful in all things. Paul writes. So, Jonah, be thankful that God prepared a worm for you. Prepared something to, because your attachments were wrong. You're attached to things. Guys, we can be attached to relationships. We can attach to our job. We can attach to a friend and not be attached to God. Those become our idols. And so God prepared this room because it's so easy things to try to rob us of our joys. Those things can rob us of our joy. And the worm came in and it damaged. In a day, it damaged the plant. It withered the plant. Let me tell you something. There are things that can come in and rob you of your relationship with God. Interesting term. He used the word worm there. Paul gives a warning to women about men who worm their ways into their lives and take advantage of them. 2 Timothy 6. Um, I'm not going to say any more than that. Right? What are, the, what are the worms coming into your life that's robbing you? The enemy will worm his way into your life. He'll worm his way in to, to break the fellowship that you have with God. But let me tell you this. This is even harder to hear. Maybe in God's grace and mercy, he will allow you to experience some misery to draw you back to him. Maybe he prepared the worm to get your attention, just like he's getting Jonah's attention. Because the worm is there for our maturity. The worm is there for our maturity to grow us, to develop us. And so the plant is withered. He just has this wooden little shelter. Guess what? God prepared a heat wave. The eastern wind began to blow, right? He's hurting. Jonah's hurting, right? He no longer felt the comfort of God, but the heat of times. And Jonah feels like he's in a, in a sauna. He's feeling faint in the heat. He says, I feel faint. I feel without strength, he said. I'm, I'm weary. Sometimes the heaviness of the world will make you weary and faint and tired. You're running in this race. You're without breath. I love that's a place we really need to be because the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, when, then when we were without strength, when we were faint, Christ died for us. It says when we in our weakness, he makes us strong. God is the potter. And we are the clay and he's shaping us. But he also uses the heat of the keel to set the clay. 
Sometimes he needs to put the heat on a little bit to strengthen you. Sometimes he needs to put the, 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 the heat on you to develop you. See, God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. So he'll put a little pressure to develop. I saw this sign the other day. I read something like this. Life is like a camera. Focus on what is important. Capture what is, capture the good times. Develop from the negativities. Develop from the negatives. And if, it, if things don't work out, take another shot. Jonah was feeling the, the heat of the depression and anger unto his death. He wanted to die. And so Jonah's disobedience, his, his immaturity is having emotional impact on him. So God said, I got to put a little more heat on to develop you, Jonah. What do you need to do to get out of your anger and depression? I'm going to give you 10 things to do real quick. Here's number one. Do something good for someone else. Here's number two. Repeat rule number one nine more times. <laughs> Listen, sometimes the reason why he was anger and depression was he was all about him and not about Nineveh. And his focus was on him and he was so self-centered and self-seeking and throwing a tension challenge. Remember I talked about kids throwing a tension challenge? It's about them. It's about what them and what they want in that moment. And so, you have to be careful. It's about, Mercy Ministry is about caring for those inside the church. But here's the third thing. Mercy Ministry is to serve and evangelize those outside the church. We see that verses 9 through 11, right? Listen, the reason we don't evangelize is we have lost our concern for the lost. We have, we have apathy for the lost. We are apathetic to the mission God has given us as a church. Most people are concerned that they are not lost. They're not concerned that they're lost. They're like the little boy who got lost in Disneyland. He didn't know he was lost because he was enjoying all the attractions. He was separated from his parents, and he was having a lot of fun in the park. Let me tell you something. Satan, the god of this world, has developed his own Disney world that people do not even know that they're lost. They don't know that the fun of this world, the parties, the movies, the clubs, the money, etc., the job, etc., is Satan camouflage to keep them from realizing they are separated from God. And they are pursuing pleasure rather than pursuing God. The parents went to the lost and found to find their child, and the security guard was able to locate the lost child and reunite him with his parents. Let me tell you something, guys. Our mission as a church is to share with the lost and reunite them with their heavenly father. Why are we doing the Hope Tide Drive? Why, why are we outreaching? Why do we do what we do? Somebody reached out to you for you to be here this morning. Somebody was on mission to minister to you so you could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so to be able to do that, here it is in verse 9 and 10. Mercy Ministry speaks the truth in love. In the ministry, we have to speak the truth in love. Look at 9 and 10. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about a plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. He's trying to justify his anger. But the Lord said, you have had pity on a plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up at night and perished in the night. You know what mercy ministry will do? It will remove our idols that we make. We make idols in our lives. It will remove idols, right? Remember, he asked the question. He's asking the question he asked in verse 4. He's asking it now 
in verse 9, is it right for you to be angry about the plants? He's going to make a point here. He's using the plants and all that's going on as a visual illustration. But he's wrapping it up to say, I'm, I'm, he, God's bringing the hammer now. He's, he's going to say, I'm, I'm getting to my point right now. I'm, I'm going to make, here's, here's, the, here's the thing I want you to remember right now, Jonah. I'm asking you again a question. You didn't ask me the first time. I'm asking you again. Is it right for you to be angry? Because God's going to reveal the idols of Jonah's life because you had more pity on a plant. You were attached to it. You grieved over it. And when you lost it, you grieved over it. How easy we put the mission of God on hold for our own comfort and convenience. This time Jonah will answer the question and it really reveals his spiritual condition of his heart and his maturity. I'm angry because of what had happened. I, and I just want to die. Jonah got bent out of shape over what just had happened in the last 24 hours. These are Jonah's last words in the whole book. This is the last words of Jonah in his irrational thought. He was so downcast and depressed and miserable that he wanted to commit suicide because of a plant that he missed the whole point. Jonah, I gave you the plant. I developed it. I blessed you. You had nothing to do with it, but you're more concerned about the plant than you are about the people. Some of us could be like Jonah, more concerned about our own thing than about what's happening outside. It's easy to be agitated when we come but usually we add we can become what we don't want and walk in, not walking in the spirit, but walking in the flesh. And so he drops this truth on Jonah, right? You're more concerned and compassionate about this plant than you are about people. Let me tell you, he's, he's saying, plants come and go. I don't, care, I don't care how big your house is. I don't care about your new car. I don't care about your bank account our graves will be the same size. <laughs> Stay humble. Stay humble. But Jonah didn't catch the fact of what God was trying to reveal to him, that God loved him as much as he loved the Ninevites. That's why he hasn't given up on them. Guys, we have an opportunity in a few weeks to show our love about Jesus to our neighbors because God, God's commanded us to love our neighbors at the Hope Toy Drive. He's commanded us to, to, to go out and, and proclaim the love of God. That Jesus is the reason for the season. They were celebrating Jesus' birth because he came to save the world from their sin and the people from their sin. But Jonah's bitterness and anger snuffed out his joy and peace. And the only option he saw was death. That's where it was driving him. But God is saying, let me turn your perspective a little bit because mercy ministry is concerned for the last, last verse. And should I not pity Nineveh, this great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right and their left and much livestock? Now, he rebukes Jonah, but now he's revealing his heart. God's revealing his heart here, right? That's what he's doing. As much as I've been showing you grace and mercy and pity, should I not do the same for this unbelieving world? As much as you showed us mercy and grace, should we not extend that outside these walls? 
There are 120 lost people who don't even know they are lost. They can't discern what's right and they can't discern what's wrong. He can't discern the right or the left. They are blind and they lost their way. Now, some believe that reference there, there that reference that there are 120,000 persons who cannot discern their right from them, they believe that's a reference to children. Meaning, there are 120,000 children, little children that really are not in the age of accountability, that don't know right from the wrong yet. That would make the population over 600,000 people in that city. When the church started, Peter's first preaching only ministered to 3,000. This was 600,000 people that heard the gospel possibly. By the preaching. This is the greatest revival that's 100% salvations that we know in this story. But Jonah, you're more concerned about your plant than about the little babies. God was familiar with the wickedness of Nineveh. And that's why he sent a prophet in chapter 1. And God's familiar with our wickedness, and that's why he sent a prophet, Jesus. Acts 10, 34 and 35 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. He has no favorites. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. So this, but this book closes. It closes with an unusual ending. It's like a cliffhanger. It doesn't tell you what happens to Jonah. It ends like, we're dropping, mic, boom, done. I said what he just said, and I'm out of here. It's kind of a weird ending. We don't know the outcome and Jonah, what his relationship with the Lord was. But let's look at modern day. It might give us a little idea. Nineveh is the modest city of Iraq known as Mosul. Mosul contains the sanctuary of Jama Nabala Jonas, supposedly containing the remains of Jonah. Whether this is true or not, it brings up this question. Why would Jonah's remains be in Nineveh? Could Jonah have changed his heart? Did he continue the work that he starts? Can he continue the work that he started and, and the anger and bitterness didn't get the best of him anymore? Jewish tradition says that after God said the words of Jonah 4.11, Jonah fell on his face and said, govern your world according to the measure of mercy as it is said to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. We read that. Hmm. He's quoting Daniel 9.9. We can only hope that Jonah would have responded humbly to the rebuke. <laughs> but I don't get this. And much livestock? That's the last phrase at the very last part. You've had this crazy story and it's like, oh, I'm going to throw in the animals. <laughs> right? The word livestock could mean animals or cattle or cow, huh? Maybe what God was saying, if you can't care for the people, would you even care for the animals? Robbers 12.10, for you animal lovers out there, the godly care for the animals, but the wicked are always cruel. What was the Lord doing? He's appealing to Jonah's conscience. Jonah should have been weeping. Jonah should have been the weeping prophet for the city, like Jesus was a weeping prophet over his city. If a rebel prophet... Can turn Nineveh around, surely a righteous prophet can turn an upside down world around. He took what was upside down and made it right side up. That's what Jesus did. Mercy is the means by which we serve to turn 
the world to Christ's mercy ministry. So I leave with these three thoughts as we close. One, mercy ministry celebrates the win, not the loss. To celebrate the victory, not the defeats. Number two, mercy ministry is to care for those inside the church. Extending mercy to one another inside the house, inside the family. And lastly, mercy ministry is to serve and evangelize those outside the church. Who are you ministering to outside these walls? Extending mercy and grace and patience outside these walls because God's doing a work in them just as much as he's doing a work in you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and your blessings, for your goodness and mercy and grace. We pray your hand upon the work you're doing in this place, Lord. May your name be magnified and may your name be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.